Welcome to episode 12 of 514 Beltway to Bytown podcast. My name is Jeff, and with me is my longtime friend Todd. This podcast is recorded remotely, with me being in D.C. and Todd in Canada's capital city of Ottawa. Remember, everything we say could be fact or fiction. Welcome, Todd. What's on the docket for tonight? First, Mr. Jeff, we're going to get a breakdown of your trip to Nashville. <laughs> How was it down in the, in the grand old south? Uh, talk a little bit of NFL movement, Cam Newton to the Patriots, Brady working out amid uh, COVID chaos in Florida. Uh, talk a little sports, uh, what's going on in the world of podcasting, specifically Joe Rogan creating some controversies, and uh, talk about some of our streaming choices. Sounds good, buddy. Sounds like a good good evening. All right, so back to uh, the beginning. Let's get into my trip to Nashville. So you know why I was there. A few people do. Um, I have an issue with my hip, and I had, I had someone look at it here in D.C. And the way the uh, medical system in the U.S. works, it's, it's a system where they'll do whatever you want if you have health care. So I saw a pretty good uh, surgeon here, and he recommended I get my hip scoped, arthroscopic surgery for a torn labrum. Now, after he gave me the assessment, he said this was going to take at least six months of physio and he wasn't sure if it would be 100% successful, meaning at the end of all this, I would need a hip replacement. So I wasn't thrilled with that. So I did a little research and found a doctor, Dr. Bird, who worked on Tua's hip. And he's down in Nashville, and I decided to get a second opinion. While I was there, I also decided to have a little vacation. But uh, I did go down to the Nashville Hip Institute. Long story short, they told me I was not a good candidate for a scope. I might as well wait to have a total hip replacement. And in the meantime, they gave me cortisone and steroid, and I'm doing much better. So other than that, the rest of the time in Nashville was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know. Have you ever been there, Todd? I've never been. Never been. It, it is a great city. It was my second time there. Went down with Chris. We stayed in a little city just south of Nashville called Franklin. Just absolutely fantastic. If you ever get a chance to go there and visit, I highly recommend it. And then just spent the time, you know, going around Nashville, going to different restaurants. There's live music every single place you go to. Uh, did some archery, which was fantastic. Went to some other just great restaurants. Hit two distilleries, you know, Whiskey's Big down in Kentucky and Tennessee. So it was just a, a really great trip. And, you know, nice leaving the house when you've been quarantined in a place for the past three months. So uh, I look forward you, to going uh... back. Are you and Chris country music fans at all? All right. So to be honest with you, I do have a guilty country list uh, playlist on Spotify. I'll listen to country maybe, to be honest with you, maybe every couple months. I'll throw it on when I'm you know, on the bike. Chris is good for country for maybe one hour of country music every six months. And then she's ready to pull her hair out. Okay, the, so are you like a real Johnny Cash country fan, or are you like Florida Georgia Line or Georgia Florida Line? Uh, that's good. That's a good question. <laughs> pop, pop country fan. Listen, I think I think a lot of that depends on uh, the setting I'm in and how much whiskey I'm partaking in. You know, I think everybody loves a good Johnny Cash. Which, speaking of, we also happened to stumble upon his grave while we were there, which was kind of cool. But uh, I'm also into the newer. Uh, Popish country, FGL, as, as it's known down there, Florida Georgia Line, and, you know, all the, all the newer artists. I mean, it all kind of blends in, sounds the same, but I do think it's good summer music, so I'll, okay, I'll so take it all. Sports question. Yeah. Where do the Predators lie in the sports landscape down there? 
That's a great question. So we were down there. We went last year to watch uh, the Habs play. The Preds made it a weekend. And, you know, there's two main sports in Nashville, obviously, the Titans and the Preds. And the Preds are, I mean, the arena is right downtown. If you know Montreal, the same kind of deal where, you know, the old forum would be on St. Catherine Street. It is right downtown, right in the middle of all the bars. And it's just, they turn hockey into a party. So it's, it's a great scene. That's all I can tell you. You know, I was there for one game, and I'm definitely going back. They just know how to party in Nashville. So you'd say sports-wise on the, on the continuum, Titans, num- Titans number one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And then Predators close number You know, I don't know close. I, I don't live there, but it's definitely two. There's no, you know, there's no third sport. So those are the big two down in Nashville. You know, to be honest with you, I'd probably say either Titans or University of Tennessee football, one, yeah, one A, then we go, you know, Preds. And then there's no real three. You know, they're, they're close to Alabama, tons of Alabama football shirts, fans, whatever down there as well. So that's probably their three. Um, definitely a football city, though. How's the food? Just real quick. <laughs> the food's incredible. Like, there's no bad meals. You know, really, and, and Chris stuff. and I make a point to not hit franchises when we're in a new town. We oh, really look man, for places. That's terrible, man. Nothing worse than when you go to like yeah. Times Square and you yeah. see someone eating at TGI Fridays. Yeah. We can't it's do like, it. If you're traveling, don't go to the place you pass on on your way to work every day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So we really make a point to support local. And, uh, you know, we were like, I'll just tell you a quick story. We stayed at an Airbnb, and uh, the owner of the Airbnb is in the music industry. He actually was a producer for a great deal of well-known artists, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. And, um, you know, he, he gave us some great recommendations on places. And it's the best way to go, right? I mean, get the recommendations from the locals and hit those spots. And, God, it was just fantastic. It was sad coming home, to be honest with you. Well, that, uh, that story differs a lot from anything I've encountered with the, uh, the Quebec healthcare system, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get a healthcare yeah. need, you know, you take your RAMQ card, you go down to the Charles Lemoyne Hospital on Tashville right. Boulevard. That probably starts and finishes right there, but that's a, it's a good trip. It was I'm a good trip. You got some good, got the right diagnosis and, uh, you know, see some experts. Absolutely. And see the, see the country while you're doing it. So you good. got it, buddy. You got it. All right. Uh, all right, man. Good breakdown. Glad you had a good trip. So moving on to, so... You know, time this podcast well. Some movement in the NFL last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know if we're going to have an NFL season. But Cam Newton to the Pats. What were your initial thoughts last night when you heard that news? You know, it's funny you say that. My initial thoughts were kind of, it's a typical Pats move. You know, they had nothing to lose. They signed him for the minimum. We don't know anything about Jared Stidham. So it, I also... Listen, I, I want the Pats really to, to really have a bad season, in all honesty, get a big draft choice next year, and rebuild for the future. Playing Cam, I don't know what the real end game is. You're not winning the Super Bowl with Cam. So what's the goal? Eight and eight, nine and seven? So I'm a little bit mm, I don't know if it's in Belichick's sure. DNA, though, to, to, you know, to throw a season. That's, um, well, I know, yeah. You know? But I, I do agree with you. Like again, this is typical Patriots move. Like you think you think like in like of all the over the hill free agents they've signed over the years, like an Ocho Cinco, right? Yeah. Uh, Corey Dillon, like you know, there's a bunch of them, right? Like, uh-huh. They take a flyer on these guys. He's getting paid a million bucks base salary plus, you know, it's probably incentive laden to the tilt. Yeah. Um, I just think it's weird. Like I just you know again, bad bad shoulder, bad foot. He's not going to get any additional reps. 
Plus, he's not the he's not the clear starter, so you're going to be sharing reps with reps with Stidham, and if they're not definitely going in Cam Newton's direction, it's not like McDaniel's can rip apart the offense and put something in customized for Cam. He's going to have to go into the, you know, into training camp not knowing who's going to be in there. You know, they're two completely two different playing styles, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and let's be honest, the receiving core is absolutely terrible, right? Yeah. So are we going to tailor this offense to make it a, you know, as you were kind of alluding to a cam run offense, right? What does he have left? His shoulders banged up. You know, the one thing I will say about Bill, and you mentioned it, he will sign on these older guys, but if they don't work out, he'll cut them. Yeah. There's always a right? quick exit. Man. So right? if, you know, if, if cam is sort of doing his own thing, then, you know, be ready for an early exit. Uh, I think the worst thing that could happen is, you know, cam starts and wins the first four five, six games and then what? You know, do you sign him, right? Are you going to sign him long-term? What do you do with Jared then? And then you've got another issue going into next year. I just think with, you know, the defense they had last year, and we've talked about it, right? But again, yep. no, like other than Edelman on third down, there was nothing Brady could really do. Mm-hmm. And it took mm-hmm. him 10, you know, these 10 possession drives, dink and dunk down the field. Right. Um, that's not Cam's game, right? Like, and it's not like you said, he's not going to be able to air it out to Holly, like, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like for a, for the big throw. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. And, uh, you know, the Patriots have not been patient with guys who grasped to, uh, to, to pick up the playbook. Right. Right. So, right. And what do you do if you're Jared, you know, you've kind of, you've sat there a good soldier. You never said anything. You kind of thought it was your time. Uh, uh, you know, is this another Garoppolo? He's going to end up somewhere else. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it definitely adds intrigue to the Patriots. So I'm going to follow them even more, but, uh, you know, you have to kind of wonder. Yeah. The one thing I can think is like McDaniels when he had Tebow, right? When he was in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. He completely redid like, you know, that was a mid season, like switch type thing. And he completely retooled the offense mm-hmm. that played to Tebow's strengths. So if Cam ends up being the guy, I'd imagine McDaniels is going to bring out, bust out that creativity. again. Right? So well, let's think about this though, before we, before we leave this, if you're Cam and you sign for the minimum, do you want your number called in the run game? Because you know, you're one more injury away from being out of the league. Well, it's not like those receivers are going to get open. And it's I know. Not like that off, it's not like that offensive line is going to hold. So right, right. <laughs> he's going right. to have to. I think out of, out of desperation, he's uh, going to have to. He's going to have to run. It's going to right? be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck to him. Good you know, luck. Uh, and, you know. and you know, this did take away from the Patriots getting caught for another little cheating scandal. Yeah, right? I saw that. The same they lost thing, a draft pick. You know, kind of convenient <laughs> how let's sign Cam to shift the story, yeah, they right? Probably, Belichick probably knew in March, right? Exactly. Like... So well played by the Pats in that sense. Yeah, know? that was well done. Yeah, yeah. So on the, related to the Pats, okay, so uh, anyone that's been following uh, the healthcare challenges Florida's going through right now, you know, 9,000 mm-hmm. COVID cases a day. Uh, ICUs are full. What do we make, you know, Tom Brady... You know, working with Mike Evans, working with the, the Tampa Bay receivers, going through multiple reps when, you know, public health authorities are saying, you know, public, you know, in the NFL, uh, health, health experts have advised mm-hmm. teams to avoid group workouts. What do we think of this? You know, it's a good timing for this question. Arizona just this evening shut down again. Tennessee just shut down again. Florida's about to shut down. And I think this is, you know, we're in the middle of a great divide and there's many issues going on in the country. You and I talk about it. But yeah. one of the big issues right now is dealing with Corona, right? Do I wear a mask? You know, are you infringing on my freedoms? I think it's time for Tom and the rest of the crew to shut this thing down. You know, set an example for everyone else. We need to step back or else we won't be able to step forward. We are not going to have a season 
at this rate. I mean, I look at Clemson every day. There's another 15 kids testing positive. Yeah. You know, everywhere you look, every big time division one school, they have kids testing positive. So clearly it's time to step away from all of this. Uh, and I, this is one time where I think Tom is really setting the wrong example. What do you think? Agreed. I mean, he is the ultimate competitor, but there's a, that goes to a certain point. Right. And, uh, athletes can't pretend that the world that they live in is in complete isolation of the challenges that, you know, society is facing. Um, I mean, obviously it doesn't help. Uh, you know, like, I don't know if you saw the press conference with DeSantos there, the governor. Right. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, it's like self-licking ice cream cone, man. Like, right. like, tell them, oh, we're doing more testing than ever. You know, like they yeah. make it sound like they had a grip on the situation. That doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady's a smart guy. The NFL's told them uh, he should, you know, you know, at least if they're going to do it, do it quietly. Right. Um, but it doesn't set the right example when there's so many people struggling, right? So, and unfortunately, you know, this is carried over where most of the high school football teams were, were sort of in this, you know, holding pattern. We can't work out with our kids, but these private club and seven on seven teams, they're full go. Yeah. So it's kind of like there's no one really setting the standard here and, and setting the rules for athletics. But I think the NFL guys, or at least Tom, you know, can certainly set an example for others to follow. Like, you know, Quebec has done, like up here in Canada, right? Quebec and Ontario have done reasonably well, like so far, you know, like a second mm-hmm. wave could happen, mm-hmm. but controlling the COVID-19 spread, they've done a reasonably good job. But that being said, uh, Quebec's like, you know, stage three in their opening. And guess what? Competitive sports that are uh, non-combative sports are allowed. Mm-hmm. So football is essentially as of uh, June 22nd, they were allowed to start practicing. Wow. What boggles my mind is, you know, if you're the Ministry of Sport, you know, like you see in, in education, you see uh, the COVID, you know, like all these professional teams, these, these athletes are testing positive. Well, obviously, youth athletes are not going to be tested on any mm-hmm. regular frequency. You have to think this, that's not a good idea. Like as much as, you know, as a parent, I want to see sports back, but it's not, you know, it's just a frivolous decision. It's not <laughs> right. Not and out. I think, you know, Paul Feinbaum, he does a radio show. He really talks about the SEC. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. But he's, he's big in the South. He, he really runs like, his own podcast every day, just talking SEC football. And there's no one that really loves football as much as he does. But his point today was, what is this going to take really for us to pay attention? Is it going to take an athlete dying? Right. Is that the point where we're going to shut this down? Or are we really going to be proactive and say, this needs to stop. And I sent you something actually this afternoon about the Ivy league. They're already talking about moving their season to the spring. Yeah, well, which, they get a little bit more, a little bit more gray matter. Than... <laughs> well, I suppose, I suppose, and that's but what we're like... getting in the high school here. That's a, that's one plan that's, a, I think, is going to be put down for us is we're going to move our football season to the spring. But no one wants to make that decision, and that's sort of where we're at. But just the idea, like if any, like routine surgeries are being canceled, right? Mm-hmm. ICUs are full. Mm-hmm. Children's hospitals are being occupied by adults who have COVID nineteen, right? In certain jurisdictions, right, right. That enough should be, I think. For anyone that's got a little bit of common sense, that should say, okay, you know, professional sports, uh, that might not be a good idea. Like, if we, you know, you've been one, you called it out early. You said the NBA is probably not going to happen. Right. Uh, despite what Adam Silver says and what the athletes are yeah, saying. It's not happening. Um, yeah. the, the idea of, of playing that tournament format, like in Florida, uh, with everything going on, the, the Disney union is basically forced, uh, you know, the Disney corporation's hands, like, you know, like uh, into closing down their, their theme parks. Right. How can we, in good faith, like kind of how let sports kind of happen? Right. It's just it's. Uh, I know well, as much as we want a distraction, I just it, you know if you tell the local bar owner he can't operate, 
but go ahead and be a go crazy, like bringing 350 people into this, right. this complex to play basketball. It just doesn't make sense. Well, and, and, you know, we talked about some of the NBA players are starting to back out all well, for good reason. Well, this is translating over to baseball today. I don't know if you got the news, but two Washington nationals baseball players today said, we're out, we're not playing a season. Um, they just don't want to put their families at risk. One of them's Ryan Zimmerman, a perennial all-star here. I don't know who the other one is a pitcher, but it's sort of, once those dominoes start to fall, you know, these are big time players backing out, right? I mean, the Lakers point guard said, I'm not playing in the playoffs. You know, it's, uh, I love Disney World. I've been there three times. Right. <laughs> but the idea of being locked down in Disney World in one complex for three months. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. quinoa salad, man. They might make a great quinoa salad, but it's going to get old really quick. Like, Mickey! <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, hard pass right? on that one, buddy. Team characters. Oh, man. All okay, right. so sticking, sticking with sports. Okay. Jack Del, Jack Del Rio. Okay. So uh, defense coordinator with the Redskins comes out. Uh, Trump supporter makes some active comments, you know, uh, supporting Trump. Uh, uh, knocking a Democratic U.S. senator on uh, Twitter. Gets ripped over the coals. The story quickly disappears. Here's a question I have. And again, I, so let's take, a, take any progressive coach you want, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, take Steve Kerr of the Warriors. Okay. I love Steve Kerr. I probably, my, my views probably align politically with him on almost a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He comes out in 2010-ish and says, you know what? I support President Obama. <laughs> like, you know, like, yep. I love America. Like, anybody raise an eyebrow in the sports world? Zero. Right? So Jack Del Rio basically comes out supporting the president, and it's a controversial president, and by no means am I defending uh, President Trump because sure. I'm not a big fan. But are we, do we have a double standard? Like if, you know, if we ask, you know, like if a coach comes out and he's got a progressive leftist view, uh, it's supported. And then someone comes out on the right. Do we have to, is that, I don't know. Is that a double standard? I mean, I mean right, right now, if you are, I'm looking at Jack's tweet right now. I'm 100% for America. If you're not, you can kiss my ass. And you know, what's crazy is now America, if you're 100% for America today in 2020, it means you're 100% for Trump. And I think when Obama was here, you were 100% for America as a whole, you know, as as a united place. And it's the words are the same, but the meaning has changed. And I think, you know, the timing, the space, the space has changed, right? Because of, right. So I think, I don't know. I just, uh, as much as I'm trying to be objective, I just like Jack the real man. It's like bad timing, bad form. Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) you know, you're, you're less than 500 head coach. Yeah. You know, you get a chance with Ron Rivera is probably one of the better coaches to be working for. You're in DC. Like, just tone it down, you know? Maybe just, stay away from the stay away from the political tweets. Like, and you know, I like, agree with you. And and let's be real. How many good things have come off of athletes or coaches tweeting things? You know, just, <laughs> I thought you were just, gonna say I thought you were gonna say how many good things came off of Jack Del Rio. No, well that, that's like, few and far between putting a long, as well. Putting a putting us a long stump with an with an axe like in the Jacksonville right. Jaguars locker room yeah. Hunter cut his toe. Bad off. idea, and, Jack. Right. Yeah. But it's but just, right, though, the tweets. Yeah. Do you need to do this? So now you've also got to answer potentially to half your team. Right? You've got to look them in the eye and you've got to answer to them. It's just stop tweeting, man. Just stay off yeah. these these damn phones. Yeah. So, you know, and then you preach this to the kids, the players. Hey, you know, Twitter, Facebook, these things are going to get you in trouble. Well, it's got Jack to, you know, front of the headlines. So. The thing is, too, is like Ron Rivera, he can have a nicer guy. Like, you know, like yeah. by, by all accounts, he's really like a good guy to be working for, right? Mm-hmm. 
he gives you a second chance. He's Ron Rivera starting fresh. <laughs> right. You know, can you just stay on the limelight? Like, it's like, you never see any Belichick's coaches doing this. Right. Like, you know, you would never see like a Wade Phillips doing this, but it's like, there's always those guys that got, like said, you know, they got talent. Like, I don't, I don't doubt that he can coach, but they got a separate agenda. Yeah. Right. And it's, uh, what's I his want face to use from my platform? Yeah. Yeah. Like Dick LeBeau would never do this. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, but I will say in DC, it has definitely gone away especially since you know this this man, Joe Bugle died. That's taken yeah. over the headlines here, right? The great offensive line coach. So that's that's been the big talk of the town, and then they're bringing everyone back to sort of tell hey, stories man. about Joe Bugle. I didn't remember the comeback like in 2008 uh, when Joe Gibbs came back, right? And they made the mm-hmm. playoff run. Mm-hmm. Didn't you know Joe Bugle, the, the, the offense, he had six different offensive lineups, offensive line lineups that season just because mm-hmm. guys were getting hurt all the time. So he basically had to retool the offensive line every week. And he still managed to do like a did like a half decent job. So, yeah, he to, was uh, one of the great ones. There's no doubt, no doubt. Um, but anyway, passed away at 80, so it's big loss for Redskins family. But uh, helped helped change the offensive line and created the Hogs. Yeah. So I I suggest we take a quick break, Jeff, and uh, we'll come back. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. So full transparency, folks, the reason we take the break, this podcast is running on a shoestring budget, so we use a free, the free Anchor app. But what we've noticed with time, uh, with Jeff being in D.C. and me being in Ottawa, um, if we don't take a break for whatever, the sound starts to die off. So we're hoping we're going to correct some of our sound issues by taking a break. So we're trying. it is what it is. It is what it is. Right. If you don't like it, send in, you know, send, in a, uh, you know, send us some money and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> right. quickly fix that. That's right. All right, where are we moving to, bud? Okay, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Talk to me so about I'm Joe fan, Rogan. I got, you've known for a long time. I'm a, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan. He's mm-hmm. one of the original podcasters. Probably got the most popular podcast in North America. Mm-hmm. One of the most highly rated. Um, got himself in controversy a bit uh, this week. One, he had uh, someone had resuscitated on Twitter an old clip of him with uh, Joey Diaz, Mad Flavor. Uh, <laughs> talking about days back at the comedy store where basically you had MCs running comedy shows or exchanging uh, mic time for sexual favors, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily perpetrators, but they were laughing laughing their asses off about it, right? And this is from so 2011, just so we're clear. 2010 or 2011. Yeah. 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 Okay. So when I said to you, like, I don't think – these guys are stand-up comedians, right? So think Dave Chappelle, think Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Think Chris Rock. I mean, these guys aren't politically correct by any means. Um, they're not going to change, you know, for, for anything. Like, I think, you know, like that's, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but something that recently just kind of Rogan was had uh, uh, Jocko on. And uh, so Jocko, for people who don't know him, he's uh, kind of a leadership guru, ex Navy SEAL, uh, Navy SEAL, um, has a very successful podcast, basically preaching all things leadership to first responder, military community, business leaders. Um, and he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And they were talking about uh, COVID-19. And kind of the ones I found a little bit disheartening, because I like these guys, have respect for them both. They're both very intelligent guys. Um, they kind of saw COVID-19 as like an individual responsibility. Like, listen, the best thing you can do is take care of your health. People need to exercise more. That's the first thing they should be doing. Mask, uh, you know, social distancing, all that second if you work out, leave, you know, leave a healthy lifestyle, things will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So what that signaled to me is, you know, you got these really, you know, alpha forward guys. thinking guys. Yeah. yeah, alpha guys, definitely alpha guys, right? But they're forward thinking guys and they are, they got a head on their shoulders, right? If they're thinking that way, um, 
and they're probably somewhere in the center, like on all things, like, you know, like whether it be politically, you know, um, if they're thinking that way, it's going to be really hard for the public health authorities to make any headway with the masses. So just uh, anyway, just an interesting take, but just um, just kind of a little disheartening, right? Because again, the guy does have a lot of bandwidth, uh, people yeah. listening to him, but uh, kind of a little discouraged to hear both him and Jocko kind of, you know, sharing that sentiment. Yeah. And I'll just go back on, you know, the 2011, I, you know, I'm not really a Joe Rogan guy. Um, I, I do like his guests, but I just picture him from whatever that TV show he used to be on. Fear factor. Fear, you know, that, that <laughs> turned me off forever. But anyway, you know, he did laugh at, at some off-color things from 2011, and they're certainly not appropriate. But I also don't advocate for, as soon as we hear something that we don't like, let's abolish them altogether. Let's shut down their voice. I think we have to have some people that maybe we disagree with out there just to balance things off. Now, certainly laughing about, you know, whatever they were doing with, you know, these, these women that want to be put on stage was not appropriate. But, uh, you know, I don't know where this goes. I know Spotify assigned him to a huge deal. Uh, yeah, $200 million. $200 million. So I don't know. This might be enough for them to say, you know, we don't want him. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But I think times have changed very dramatically, as you know, very quickly. And anything like that is certainly not going to be tolerated in the future. Yeah, so, I mean we're in, we're in a climate of hypersensitivity, right? So right. you gotta you gotta take that with a you know take that into consideration, right? But so, I do agree with you. Comedy is the one space, you know, the Dave Chappelle's, the the whatever. There has to be a safe space where you can make people uncomfortable, and that space to me is comedy, right? That there yeah. has to be a space. So I'll go with that. And you know, with Jocko, I saw him live here. I you know I t- definitely respect Jocko and what he's done, and incredible leader. Um, but again, all these leaders have a tremendous following. So everything they say is sort of taken to heart. So again, they have a voice. And this is, you know, goes back to the country divide. Well, Jocko says we can just take our vitamins and run two miles a day. And we don't need to wear a mask. And oh, my God. I mean, I mean Rogan, I, Rogan is a he's polarizing, right? Because on one hand, he'll have Bernie Sanders on. Right. Right. So very left thinking, you know, like presidential candidate. Um, and he even said he'd probably vote for Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. But then he'll have an Elon Musk on. And you know, Musk yeah. they said they want to take the factory out of California because we can't work there, and we'll have the workers work in, right. in Texas, right? So, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, in true form, he has no allegiance. Yeah. Like you know, he's he's on both sides of the spectrum, and he's going to say, tell you what he thinks, right? So. And I respect um, that. Okay. You can't, you know, that's one of his strengths. But you know, you know, sometimes he's going to push the envelope. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to where do you want to go next? You want to go to Athlete A. Yeah, so I started. Did you watch this? One? I watched it today. This is going <laughs> yeah. to be a serious one, buddy. Yeah, if you know, if you have a daughter, probably not a good, uh, good look, you know. And I'm not, you know, like I, I was the one who kind of mentioned the Epstein uh, documentary last time. Yeah. So go from that right into Athlete Day. To me, so if people don't know what it is, Athlete Day is a documentary on Netflix, um, talking about the disturbing, troubling time U.S. G- Olympic gymnastics program went through. Uh, when their head physician basically perpetrated sexual abuse on minors, like athletes on the team over an extended period. And beyond that was the U.S. Olympic uh, movement's efforts to, to cover it up, right? Or at least kind of, yeah. you know, slow down the, uh, the, the investigation process, right? So I've only watched the beginning. So again, I, if I, I hope I kind of give the, give, give the describer, uh, it's accurate, but um, I was just shocked. Like to me, first of all, um, you're the CEO of uh, USA Gymnastics. 
a parent or athlete comes to you with a sexual abuse allegation, I think it would be automatic, like go to the authorities right away. Um, but that wasn't the case. Right. And it's like, you kind of wonder, and I always said, as soon as you get ad- of adults making their livelihood off children or youth sports, uh, that's where things go, have the potential to go awry. Right. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I watched the whole thing today. I was completely in shock. This is for those that, that do know or follow this, it was everywhere. It's the Dr. Nasser story. And uh, as you watch the documentary, he assaulted or abused more than 500 girls. Like that, that number is mind blowing. And, you know, he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. But the real problem I had in the documentary, and you sort of alluded to it, is the head of USA Gymnastics. His name is Steve Penny. Listen, someone can't abuse that many people without access, without, you know, the people letting this happen, right? Yeah. And Steve Penny, just like, you know, what happened at Penn State with Sandusky, this was brought to Steve Penny, the head of USA Gymnastics, and he told the family, we'll handle it. And he never did. And it is absolutely shocking. And when Steve Penny was brought in front of Congress, he took, he pleaded the fifth and he wouldn't answer any questions related to it. And it's absolutely shocking and, and shameful. And I will say from watching this, if I had a daughter, I would wonder why you had a male doctor, you know, dealing with, with all the girls. I think now in 2020, if, you know, women's gymnastics, women's swimming, women's soccer, there needs to be women, you know, trainers and women doctors dealing with the athletes. Right. But you think about the power relationship, right? Like you have these middle-class families who invested everything, mm-hmm. like mentally, financially, the athletes, you know, uh, invested everything physically and they're minors, right? So their, you yep. know, their headspace is not going to be, they're not going to be self-actualized. They're not self-actualized adults, right? So you think about the power that a coach or anyone in authority within the U.S. Gymnastics, USA Gymnastics program has over those athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, a parent would have to be, crazy not to stick with their kid every step of the way <laughs> right like, right absolutely right? Like it's just you and know. and you're right and the trust factor is not only there you know as you said it, it's there with the doctors but they put these girls they abuse them their bodies are broken broken ankles broken backs and like you said they're these young girls are not going to stand up to these coaches if you want to make it to the olympics if you want to you know represent your country you've got to do this and it's it's mind-blowing and yeah. you know USA Gymnastics is going through a you know a systematic you know reflection, but it, it seriously needs to be blown up and and start again. It, you know it started with the Corollas, uh, Bella Corolla and his wife are part of this whole thing as well. So it, it's very interesting. It's sad. It's shocking, and it's you know it, it's ha- it's good that it happened because I think easily those five hundred girls would have turned into a thousand. No. You know, there, there was no stopping Larry Nasser. So I recommend watching it, you know, but it, it's a tough watch. There's no doubt about it. Oof. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, I got a chance to watch The Inventor. The Talk HBO to documentary. me. Yes. <laughs> well, I really liked it. It was good. So Elizabeth Holmes, interesting character, right? Like, uh, so so um, you talked a little bit about last podcast, right? So mm-hmm. uh your assessment of Elizabeth Holmes, crazy, Look, genius, uh, fraudster. Like, where do <laughs> I mean? I, I do think she's a genius. 
I think she's somewhat of a psychopath. I think she believed her own, you know, dream. I think she thought it was plausible, but in the same sense, she would take out any obstacle or any person in her way to realize the dream. Well, certainly I think there is, you know, the dif- genius takes different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, her ability to recruit powerful and charismatic supporters. Mm-hmm. You had Henry Kissinger on her board of directors. Right. You had General Retired Mattis on her board of directors. Um, so, you know, staunch supporters of her. But she never actually demonstrated how this proposed technology that she was selling to all these venture capitalists actually worked. Right. So it just, you have confidence, you have a good elevator pitch or a good Steve yeah. jobs pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just shocking to see how you could get investors to drop, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, billion dollars um, in investment. Right. So, yeah, she's a fascinating character. And I told you, I, you know, I don't have Hulu, but there's another documentary apparently on her that I'm going to sign up for, you know, whatever, the free trial, just to watch it. I, she, something about Elizabeth Holmes just fascinates me. So yeah, <laughs> I, I just like to see her, you know, and I've, I've watched her on YouTube. If you Google interviews with Elizabeth Holmes, she's just fascinating to watch. Um, but I do recommend the book, Out for Blood. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, is that what it's called? No, it's not called that. Um, I read it. I think it's Bad Company, something along those lines. But uh, Bad Blood. I highly recommend the book. It goes into much more detail, obviously, than the, the two-hour documentary. And it's, you know, all about her, her life growing up in D.C. And, and the people she met along the way. It's fascinating. No, the documentary was good. Thanks for yeah. that uh, yeah. recommendation. Absolutely. So talk to me about uh, Mr. Robot. <laughs> All right. So last week, again, I alluded to, you know, I'm in some sort of AI phase or whatever. You know, my mind, my mind space is there right now. So going through some things, I, I came across Mr. Robot. And it's, uh, it's a series on Amazon. And I was a huge fan of Dexter. Okay, Dexter, just to sort of preface this, was about uh, a police officer who was also a serial killer. Uh, Sounds very dark. At times it was. But he had rules and he only killed bad people. Okay, as a serial killer. He's got a moral compass. He had a code, right? He had a moral (laughs) compass. He had a moral compass. It was fascinating. And I absolutely love Dexter. So this sort of along the same lines, Mr. Robot, it's a psychological drama and it follows a young programmer who during the day works, you know, cybersecurity for some company. And by night he's a vigilante hacker and, you know, he, he goes after bad people. Uh, you know, I, I'm not that far into it. I'm four or five episodes in, but he starts out by taking, I'll just, you know, I'll give away the first one. He starts out by taking, a, taking out someone who's, who's into child porn. And he essentially ruins their life. So it's fascinating to me, you know, on the tech side, what these guys can do with coding and, and all of this and the world of social media. I don't know how accurate it is, but, you know, it's, I'm sure most of it's plausible. So I, I just like where this is going. No, sounds good. Nothing like a good revenge. Uh... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Psychotic revenge it. movie. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Last, last. So that's about, I think that's what I've, most of the stuff I've been watching. Yeah. So I haven't, uh, nothing new to add to the list. Yeah. Um, curious to see Netflix announced they're doing a, uh, Colin Kaepernick Saw that. docu-series, mm-hmm. a series, not a one done, a series, an actual series. Now, is um, this a documentary? Is this going to be, you know, actors playing him and sort of recreation? No, it's a, it's a docu-series, I think. Okay. Okay. But, um, I don't know how much, like, I think the idea of a, a Colin Kaepernick documentary, um, could be good. A series? That seems a bit of a stretch. 
I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm if just you, if you're underwhelmed. Talking... I just, I'm over it. Like, it's another one of those things, whatever we were talking about the other day, and it's like the, the Lance Armstrong. It's, it's been played out, you know? Like, I'll, I don't even know if I'll watch it. If it has really good reviews and it reveals things that we don't already know, but what's there that we don't already know? Yeah, or if they do like an OJ Made in America and it talks about all the issues going on like around right. it, that's different. That's different. And the only common thread to it is they just use Kaepernick as a timeline type thing. But right. um, I can't see like fully focused on Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's not right. much. There has to be more. And, and I <laughs> yeah, think 2011, like, uh, yeah. you know, like 2011 Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> right. That's, that's really, like, and I think you can, you can sort of play with his web and how he's affected the country. Right. And go from there. And, and, and it becomes less about Kaepernick and more about the effect he's had on other you know, aspects of society. And that might be yeah. interesting. So. Cool, man. And what That's, about uh, what about the new music, buddy? You've got to, you know, Oh man, I heard this this guy on the weekend on Spotify and uh, relatively new to the music scene. So a guy from out of Wisconsin, actually, uh, Kelly Hoopla. So if you took a cross in between Living Color <laughs> Uh, take any random alternative urban New York Manhattan rock band. Okay. Um, really good sound. Really good sound. And uh, so he's a young black man, um, early 20s, uh, who skateboards, but got a really unique sound. Check it out. Sounds like he's checking all the boxes, man. <laughs> how, how'd you find him? I just want to find, like, how'd you discover Oh, just this random, guy? man. The algorithms on Spotify are so good. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of popped up on a suggested list and then actually checked him out on YouTube. Fantastic. And, yeah, uh, I actually did really too. Good. You sent me the link. The video is pretty cool. So, uh, well, did you listen to the rest of the album? Uh, I did. I listened probably, I gave him six or seven songs and they were okay. all strong. All right. So uh, it looks like Dennis Rodman, but uh, <laughs> he's got a, got a unique sound. <laughs> unique sound, man. All right, buddy. Well, this was a good show. Touched lots of uh, topics. I look forward to next week, buddy. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cheers, everyone. Bon semaine. Au revoir.